Anson Cameron is many things. A willingness to comment on social issues and ills is certainly one of them. An acclaimed novelist and feature writer for Fairfax, Cameron has picked fights with cat lovers and Tony Abbott supporters, but mainly he sits and writes fine pieces of literature. So what's this whole process and how does one take the genesis of an idea and get it to a published form? Why do we keep going back to great stories when we've got the bloody World Wide Web at our fingerprints? A marvellously witty, interesting and engaging man, and much the same can be said of his writing, here's another bloody good opportunity for a conversation with writer, student of life and Geelong Cats, uh, but not so much the animal form, fanatic, Anson Cameron on Generation Balm. Welcome to another episode of Generation Balm. I'm here with the, the man himself, uh, Neil Cleanskin, because that's going to lead on to what we're going to chat about first and uh, first off the mark. I know your your opinion on, on tattoos and Oh, that kind of, and, I'm <laughs> not a clean skin at most other things, <laughs> <laughs> but tattoos I am. Put it through uh, clean skins in your, uh, in your gut, I suppose. But in terms of actually covering yourself, I was, I was thinking the other day, and I know you're... Uh, your disappointment might be uh, palpable here, but I'm thinking about getting a couple of piercings uh, just as a point of self-expression. And, you know, th- these days it seems, you know, like generations, um, particularly my generation, it's more about that expression of themselves through external means. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not that unhappy with piercings, but I'm, I'm not actually that unhappy with tattoos, but I think you've got to know what they are and, you know, you're stuck with them forever and what's a good idea today may not be a good idea in 20 years' time. So... And I think, on my own view, is I, I will. I don't need tattoos. I think I, I can express myself in other ways rather than being as base as having to draw something on myself to draw attention to the fact that I'm a sailor or I love sheilas or whatever the tattoo says. <laughs> Have you seen like an evolution in uh, in who who has tattoos or who expresses oh, themselves? To- to- totally. Yeah. It's an, it, it used to be you had to be. You know, pretty ballsy or pretty pissed, or whatever the terminology <laughs> would be, to, to actually think, yeah, it's a good idea to have a tattoo because it was a people, oh, yeah, maybe maybe people aren't going to like it. What are mum and dad going to say? Should I? Should I? But now I think it's very very accepted behaviour, and that's and to me it is acceptable. That's your own decision, but I personally don't think you need to be quite as um, I guess impulsive as to think you need one. I don't think, but I mean, it's a very important industry that we've got to support. Yeah, the tattoo yeah, industry. yeah, yeah, yeah. It's booming. <laughs> it is absolutely booming. Uh, yeah, I suppose that expression, you know, and the identity thing, um, it seems like so mainstream now. I was, you know, during the summer you go to the Fitzroy swimming pool, and you, I felt like the odd man out not having a tattoo, or, and they're quite intricate now in terms of design and that sort of thing. It's a real expression of art, but so it's kind of got me thinking about it. But I understand you. But speaking of pools, don't you find it a bit shallow that you've got to actually draw on yourself to to express yourself? Can't you speak? Can't you? That's true. Well, act. Well, this actually probably brings us to our. We've got a guest in the studio. You might speaking, even write a book. Well, speaking <laughs> speaking about you know speech and uh, that sort of thing and, and censorship and all that, we we do have Anson Cameron. Uh, acclaimed uh, novelist in the studio, but first question I'll ask is how well, one would you of my des- favourite writers. Well, that's, that's thank you, Neil. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> how would you describe uh, what you do and who you are? I'm a freelance writer who sits at home all day mulling over my next topic and my next column and my next novel, and uh, you spend a lot of time alone. So I'm pleased to be out. And just as uh, well, we're on tattoos. Um, I, I reckon the problem with having of tattoos is it's like hearing the same joke every day when you get up and or, or reading the same poem or listening to the same song every day of your life. That's, I right. think that's kind of my point yeah. in a way, isn't it? It's, it's really impulsive, but unless you want to go back and change it all the time, you, you are stuck with the same tune, aren't you? Yeah. And I'm all for cultural appropriation, but the people who have sort of uh, Chinese calligraphy and Samoan motifs and things, there was a woman in America famously who got a Chinese or Asian calligraphy around her belly button and she thought it meant, they told her it meant beautiful <laughs> princess or some such thing and it meant insert General Chow's chicken here. <laughs> <laughs> so you've got to be a bit careful. <laughs> yeah, I think, I think that's right. You really, well, I thought about it the other day, you get something notable 
you get a tattoo that's notable, you're right. After like mm. five or six days, you probably look and go, okay, that's great. I've got a Simpsons tattoo on my on my forearm, which is which is all yeah. well and good. But after a while, aren't you going to get sick of the whole? You're going to get sick of talking about the Simpsons. Like, that's the yeah. other thing, you know. How did you lose your hand? You know. Ah, uh, true. <laughs> one, one of the one of the best ones I ever saw was I was at a I think it was at a funeral. I was sitting in a church behind a little fellow, a little baldy headed fellow in front of me, and he had on the top of his head he had a man <laughs> pushing a lawnmower. <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was marvellous. And only people, he may not have known yeah, it was there. Only, only people behind him see it, so, exactly. so he's going when they see it, and he doesn't have to talk about it all the time. That's yeah. probably the way to get it on your ass. Yeah, didn't think I was going to get one, but I liked it. <laughs> so in terms of the process of you know, going about uh, the genesis of an idea uh, that you think has some, has some weight or has some, has some legs to actually write about to the point of actually publishing it or getting someone to publish it, how, uh, take us through the process of that. Well, I'm not sure there is one single process. It's sort of different for me every time. Well, that's, that's novels. I mean, I've finished a novel now and I'm waiting Strangely, it sounds like writer's block, but I'm just, I haven't got a good idea for another novel, and, and it's mm. a big commitment. So I don't want to start writing a novel about something I'm sort of half in love with, you know, an idea that I'm not fully committed to because you know, a year down the track, yeah. you don't want that horse to die beneath you. Mm. Um, we're, for for columns, I write a, a fortnightly column for Fairfax, and that can just be I could write one about this or just something someone says to me at a party or something, but. Um, if I sit there trying to think up a topic for a column, I've written so many of them now, it's, it's virtually impossible to think up a topic. But they just, they always seem to arrive on time. And, that, and yeah, but that, that's a different, there's a deadline for that. There's no deadline for writing a novel for me. Well, yeah, once I, if I sell, sometimes I forward sell them. So, so what happens, I mean, there's all this talk about um, Fairfax and Channel 9 becoming the same organisation, which that worries me a little. Um, Will the age survive? Well, you get the feeling that newspapers have probably passed their best in a sense because of all the other all the other ways that we can get our information. But mm. I, I must admit, I still enjoy picking up the the age in particular and give, having a read. And there's stuff like your stuff, which is you look at it and you go, "Well, I'm glad this got in." Oh, you got to read. Particularly on Sundays, you get yeah. probably a lot more stuff to read. Is, it, is that mm. going to Die, do you think? I don't know. I, th- I think we might be past peak death. You know, they were talking mm. about the death of the, uh, of um, newspapers more ten years ago than now. I think we might have got over the hump. But having said that, I don't know a lot about them. I'm a contributor, you know, so I don't enter the building. Mm. I, I just write my stuff and email it in. And so I don't know about the inner workings, and I haven't seen the shrinkage of staff and all that sort of thing that other people who I know who work there have seen. And, Funny, it's, it's almost the same with books. You know, there was this suggestion that everything's going yeah. to be read online, everything's going to be in your computer. Da, 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 da. I'm, I must be a weird person, I know, but I love to pick up a book, open it, and smell it, yes, <laughs> and feel yeah. it. I, I don't. Yeah. I mean, whilst I can read on the computer, I, mm. I like to read the book, yeah. read the paper, and it seems as though quite a lot of uh, bookshops now they're actually they're doing very well. Mm. They're selling books, mm. people are buying them, people are keeping them, people are reading them even. Yeah. And, and I'm with you. I love the smell of an old book in particular. You know, I, I can still pick up some of my father's old books. He's been dead for 1995, was it? Yes. <laughs> um, he's been dead for a long time, but I can still pick up some of his old books and smell them, and, and it takes me back to the first time I ever opened them. And, and yeah, wonderful organic sort of, and, that, and it takes you back to that world of the book itself. Yeah. Well, funny enough, my father is my recollection there because he was a smeller. He was yeah. a book smeller. No, yeah. That's why I always do it. Yeah. And I, I almost... Uh, he's been dead for even longer than yours. But, um, you know, that, that was just something special about mm. books, which I'm, I'm really pleased to see that they're, it's a they're guilty still secret, important. Yeah. You yeah. shouldn't do it on trams and trains. <laughs> they'll, they'll, <lock> <laughs> no, I'll write a book about you. <laughs> yeah. I suppose that separate, considering how tightly we are, you know, how tight we are to our screens, um, how often we're on them and how often we're looking at them, like, no particularly... My generation with phones, it interrupts our sleep. There's all these articles about the fact that you know screens are killing our sleep and that sort of thing. But that separation from it with the novel, the hardback and that sort of thing is something of a, a romantic notion. Yeah, well, I do read them now on an e-book. I do. Right. I, I, I buy you know, old organic you know, books made out of trees, but I also read them on an e-book, which I kind of like because I get more money for every copy sold on an e-book than I do on, a, <laughs> on any other one. Um, but the good, you know, I just read a book called Sapiens, which is a 
sort of history of the human race and, and, and future projections of it about the human race. A very clever Jewish guy called, whose name escapes me. But anyway, I, it was taking me a really long time to read. And then I saw the book in a bookshop and it's about four inches thick. I didn't realise it was such a big book because I just, you know, <laughs> bought it online. And um, and then I look back over my reading history. These it comes up the ebook comes up with all these stats about you know your reading history. And my average reading session of the book was nineteen minutes. <laughs> Isn't that pathetic? So I, I think you know you go to bed at night after a couple of shandies, and <laughs> nineteen minutes is all I had in me. Um, in terms of like the, you mentioned shandies, mm. uh, I, re- I read I actually read did a bit of research about you, Anson, and I was reading this old uh, old interview about how you sort of did your hard drinking and then you got to your late twenties and realised you needed to make a change. But do you think there's still that whole um, idea about the novelist being this hard drinking you know loner who sits alone like an Ernest Hemingway? I think I think uh, well, I mean a lot of it goes on, but you can't. Well, I find, you know, you can't drink and write. There's a big American myth about you can't drink and do anything well when you <laughs> need to true. think, can you really? Like, <laughs> there's a big... The American myth, you know, and it comes from Hemingway and Faulkner and, and Hunter Thompson, you know, you've got to be full of drugs before he hits the typewriter. And mm. um, he, he became a very sad story and, and a yeah. sort of parody of himself. And um, I reckon it ruined a lot of writers, that the, the Hemingway myth, you know, we, we can do it, you know bottle of whiskey in us. Um, I, I quickly learnt, because having tried in my 20s to write while drinking, mm. and you'd get up next morning and think, what, Dullard wrote this, you know, it, was, it had, it had um, faded overnight, the glory of the thing had faded so much, it was pathetic in the morning. I'm really interested to, to know about how, what sort of state you're in. I've read a lot of your stuff, and a lot of it is quite, it's quite you, it's quite mm. personal, it's not weird stuff it's uh, things that could happen in your life or uh, mm. our lives um which but, is but getting more progressively yeah weird, you know? <laughs> but but i but i read some other stuff which I, I've, I've purely loved something like parfum or perfume or whatever we were talking mm, yeah. about it before and it, when i read that the the guts of that book it's disgusting yeah it is but when i re- it's beautifully written and i love to read it and then i so i asked the question of how as a writer could you actually think that shit? For people who don't know, Perfume's mm. about a bloke, a Granui who mm. imagines people and actually smells them to death in a sense. No, it's, mm. it's a lot, lot longer story than that, but there's a lot of death in it and it's, it's horrible. That is a really out there book, isn't it? It is. But it as you say, the, the language is, yeah. is sentence by sentence. It's fantastic. My only criticism of it, because it is, a, like, if you haven't read it, read it. It's a really good book. But my only criticism of it is um, that you... You know the protagonist, isn't it? The reader doesn't have any skin in the game because you don't care what happens to the protagonist. He's a real asshole, yeah. the yeah. worst you know, serial killer. Yeah, he's almost um, non-human. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah, that's the thing. His whole thing is he doesn't have a scent, right? But, but, but my point is, like, how do you? How could you imagine that? What what kind of person imagines that? Yeah, yeah, and no. then writes or even something like um, you know Hannibal Lecter and that sort mm. of. You go. I, I don't know how you I, can. I think I could do Hannibal Lecter, but that perfume one was it was a step further yes, in, into yeah. a into a whole other sort of um, psychological landscape, wasn't it? That's really well, But even, we were, again, chatting before to, to try and get some points, but even a Lolita, when you read mm. Lolita, which, again, is a beautiful, beautifully mm. written yeah. book and really one that you can really understand some really serious stuff in it, but you've got to be some weird kind of cat to be thinking a lot of that stuff. You do, and, um, yeah, I was reading something about Lolita the other day, and as you say, it's, you know, he's one of the finest writers in English ever and you know, it was his third language third I think language. and um, but, it, but it is it involves the rape of a child you know, that's, it that's is, is, mean, yeah. it's just yeah. terrific um, but we're all going along and smiling and laughing at the language and still, you know, sentence by sentence it's beautiful and then yeah it's, it's, and, and, and he's holding her hostage and rushing around the country with it it's ghastly but I suppose um, fiction gives us freedom to, to indulge in these um, morally questionable sort of um, without embracing them but to look at them from different angles and, and you know and, and live alongside them for a while I yeah think I think it's part of the freedom mm. of speech I guess but mm. it, it is yeah, I don't, I, that's why I, could I write a book I, I don't know whether I could expose myself 
yeah. in that way to say, I'm thinking all this and putting it down under my name, if you know yeah, what I mean. But yeah, m- but most, uh, a, a reader of fiction gets the contract, as it were, that y- what you're doing. You, 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 the writer isn't, you know, the nutter Hannibal Lecter. Yeah. Who's, you, mm. But to, in order to explore or, or, or um, make transparent you know, the, the human mind, I suppose, you've got to adopt all its different angles and, and enter all its different nooks and crannies. And so that's part of the job of the writer is to put yourself and in other people's part of minds. Understanding, I yeah. Guess, yeah. And it yeah. is, to be, to be honest, when I first started writing fiction, it was a very confronting act to put myself in other people's shoes, make them say things that I wouldn't say, to get out of my own headspace. You know, it's, it, it is really a sort of put donning another cloak and it's, it's a it's quite a flamboyant and showy performance. It's a you know, and to think you can do it is a bit, well, it is egocentric in a, certainly in a way as well. Well, funny, I, I kind of I think I recall one of your um, age things about you were out in the outback, travelled around, and finished up in a um, an indigenous sort of a, mm. outback thing. And and my recollection is you said, and I can't go, I can't say any more. I can't talk about what happened then. I get the feeling that what you experienced was too hard to discuss or dis- or describe? No, not that so much. I, th- I think what I was saying at that stage was we, uh, th- there's a dreadful dilemma out there. Like you know, Most of um, urban Australia never gets to see these far-flung communities. And, uh, you know, if you were trying to design thoroughgoing dystopias, uh, a lot of them are like that. Uh, um, they're, they're really horrible places with no purpose, you know, and and, and even to say that, you get, a lot of, you get a lot of criticism to say that. But so I, my, my, I don't know what the answer is, but my um, message would be that something else needs to be done, but we lack any power to tell these people who are stuck in these communities what to do because of what's gone on in the past. So mine wasn't, I can't say it, but I don't... But I don't have the right to sort of tell them what to do. Yeah, that, that's kind of what yeah. you know, what I was. And, mm. and we, we, again, we were talking earlier about like the media, the news that we get in media. We, I get the awful feeling that a lot of the news we get is the news that the organisations think the people want to read and are going to buy the paper on the back of, rather than what's the actual news. Uh, we still talking indigenous. Well, in, indigenous yeah. and kind yeah. of multicultural, a lot of that mm. stuff. A lot of the, you know, the talk about um, you know Sudanese gangs yeah, yeah. and all that sort of stuff. Which I, I don't deny what happens, and I don't deny it's an mm. issue, and we need to do something about it. But it seems to be made to be the bigger story rather than not. Yeah. It's, it's like yeah, that the weight given to something like Sudanese gangs is so much that it does incite hatred and. I'll get uh, yeah, yeah yeah I'm not I'm not sure what yeah. I'm even saying but it's it, that's the thing I think the, the point is right it's it's becoming harder to talk about those things because it's almost a representation of voices should come from say um, Aboriginal Australia and there's that pushback to I'm sure you've probably come across this but like a, a white man talking about that is like well you've had your say it's now. Yeah, and, and, and Neil and I are very unfashionable human beings, quite frankly, <laughs> middle-aged white men. Yes. Yeah, you've, you've had your time, sit back now and let us yeah. do that. But So I, I, there is, in, a, in a sense, I think we're paying for other people's sins, the sins of other generations to a degree, but um, it, it's a, you know, not paying much, to be honest. I'm not, I'm not too worried about it. But um, I, I don't accept for a moment that argument that we can't speak for each other because I... I, I, I would like to be able to stand back further and look down on the place and say, no, I'm, in, I'm engaged in um, investigating and talking about homo sapiens. Mm-hmm. And just because you um, have this skin colour or, or have come from that place, or I, I think we've got to, we can understand each other. You know? And writing is, a, is, a, is an attempt at empathy and understanding, and, and it is long-form writing is a, is a fairly long investigation of the other person's point of view, who, even if the other person is... A pedophile, you know. So that's 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 one of the um, strengths of a novel is it, that someone's had to think long and hard from the other side of the table, coming from the other side of the table. It probably comes back to talking about those novels that you know you, you always wonder what sort of headspace the author was actually in, but they are taking on another, yeah, you know, headspace completely, right? It's that whole that whole yeah that whole idea of 
getting into a space that you don't know, but at the same time, mm. it's kind of hu- it's a human space, right? Mm. There are people out there who do ghastly things. Yeah, it, well, it's a very human space. And look, the other thing is, I've, I've quoted this over the years. Someone once said, um, "Happiness writes white." Mm. You know, you, you can ima- you imagine writing just a happy story. No <laughs> one wants to read it. It's just like a white page. You know? mm. So you've got to put in the dark side of humanity and the pain, and the, and because people are fascinated by it. Um, I, but, but I guess that that's that's the that's life, isn't it? Like mm. you, know, you say, look, we're trying to develop. You're trying to develop a footy club to be, you know, like you all get on well together and mm. love each other and play well together. But but if you don't have people disag- any disagreements, you there'll be no traction at all because we're not no trying hard enough. What yeah. are we? Well, no, what, so okay, why? What? What? Mm. What if we do this? Okay, yeah. if you don't do this, so that that's kind of the same yeah. principle, isn't it? It, it is, and, and you were saying before about a, a football club. If you don't want a coach who becomes uh, Stalin, an autocrat, you need other voices who can back him off and tell him what to do, or otherwise, you get his limited his limited knowledge. Yeah, my, I always say, if you know everything, we can all take the rest of the week off, and that's mm. probably not quite right. <laughs> we may be able to help on the way. Funnily enough, I sound like a real team player, but I sit at home by myself all day thinking up <laughs> thoughts with no one else to bounce them off. <laughs> yeah, but I was thinking about at what stage, um, you know, in terms of having friends who probably have different have different points of view and that sort of thing, but you're writing articles that can, be, um, can uh, divide opinion, mm. Was there a certain age or a certain time where you just said, stuff it, if I offend someone here, I'm writing about something I care about and I think I'm doing a pretty good job at it? Yeah, this, it, I, do, I do that. I, but, but I'm also aware, I think anyone who's got a public voice of any sort these days are aware of the somewhat fragile nature of, of public debate now. And how you can be pulled out for anything and out of context, and mm. so I am. I am pretty aware that. Well, to be honest, my my talk would be freer than my writing, which is you know admitting to a sort of cowardice to a degree. But having said that, I do write a lot of stuff that's probably a, a bit on the edge and, and is a bit um, politically incorrect, for want of a better term. Mm. Um, and I get a fair bit of um, Twitter mail, or, or, <laughs> or, or actually. More often, funnily enough, I get, um, not more often, but I get quite a lot of snail mail. Um, usually, I've never ha- been engaged by any Muslims for anything I've written about the Quran or anything like that, but, but Christians are, are more prone to put pen to paper and say that I'm <laughs> going to burn in hell, you know, till eternity and that sort of thing. Cat lovers, I've had a bit of mail from cat lovers. <laughs> <laughs> Where's that? Where's the origin of the cat lover? Uh, I wrote, funnily enough, I wrote um, a critique <laughs> of the Quran one week. Uh-huh. And didn't receive any splashback. I thought this was going to be, you know, a tough, a tough week following this. Didn't receive any splashback at all, as far as I recall. Next, the ne- very next column was about shooting the neighbour's cat. <laughs> you know, the ethics of it. And I wasn't proposing to. While I, you know, I have looked at the neighbour's cat through the crosshairs. I wouldn't shoot the neighbour's cat. And and you know, just bruiting the idea. And uh, no, I got a, I got quite a bit of heat on that one. You know, if, if I ever hear that you've shot a cat, I'll. <laughs> Sometimes it does seem that, you know, I mean, there's that uh, a bloke who uh, bludgeoned a bunch of penguins to death, had his sentence doubled, his sentence being 48 hours to 96 hours in community service. Then there was that guy who ran down all the emus recently. Mm. I feel like the outrage uh, towards animal killers or um, acts of, you know, despicable animal cruelty are almost more than, say, a human-on-human yeah. act of violence. Mind you, I think we try and gloss over this a bit, but there's a fair bloodlust in a young man, mm. in a in a in a, a youth, shall yeah. we say? And yeah. I remember as a kid, you know, I, I had a horrible bloodlust, and mm. and you know, bow and arrow and guns, and you know, it's a, a, and now I, I couldn't take any pleasure in killing anything at all, and you know, I wouldn't even go fishing really, because um, so I've done a three sixty, is it a three sixty or one eighty on that? <laughs> Um, but, but, but the answer is that, that a lot of people deserve harm. <laughs> no animal probably yeah, does. Yeah, that's probably yeah. true. There was some that's supposed to be funny. Something about down in Gippsland recently poisoned, what, 480 uh, wedge-tailed yes. eagles or yeah, something? Yeah, yeah. It was, and I think he might have got seven days hmm. suspended what? sentence or some. You know, that's, bloody, that's an outrage. So yeah. as, a, as a writer, you're obviously you're an influencer, whether you like it or not. So... Th- the things that intrigue me, I'm, I'm not very... Poli- in fact, I'm, 
I'm offended by politics. I hate it. Mm. I reckon it's short term and nasty. And, mm. and again, the people in it are probably very worthy people. I know we need it and all that. But you know, you write something like the Last Pulse, which talks about you know pinching all the water out of the Murray and all that sort of mm. stuff. So you must have some sort of feel for things like the climate change argument. The th- and it intrigues me that there's this, the argument on climate change is there, and I don't know the answers. I'm not mm. a scientist, but I reckon a lot of scientists probably know. But the biggest thing we can get out of our pollies is, oh, we'll make sure your electricity bill's cheaper. Which, yeah. which, which all of us think, oh, that's a great idea because we've all got an electricity bill and we all want it to be cheaper. But it's probably the worst thing we can do. So have, have you got a yeah. take on any of that? I, I, I try and stay away from politics. Yeah, I mean, it, you, can be, you can become a, a sort of political junkie and follow it back and forth. And, you know, um, and on Twitter, everyone's wanting to abuse politicians all the time. <laughs> and and you, you can get sort of sucked into that vortex if, if you're not careful. So I'm, I'm like you, I try to stay away from it a bit. And have a sort of a general longer view, longer view of the whole deal. But I reckon that um, our electoral cycle will, will, is too short. No one wants to engage with anything but the next election, and so it's it's just too short and a, a time to to engage with big issues like climate change. So he is political. He wants to shorten it. <laughs> oh, very good. <laughs> Sorry, couldn't help. It. Trying to come up with another politician. All I could get was Peacock, but that won't help. Us. <laughs> um, Sorry, yeah. Yeah, so I, you know, it, it will be. It won't. This shows how how um what a what a an ineffective tool politics is for solving big problems, global problems certainly. Everyone's out for their own gain. As you know, the the right side of politics are, are the biggest. To, Climate deniers, and that's because I think they take take it as an insult that capitalism could wound the world. You know, oh, no, it can't be happening. You know, <laughs> but that's their dogma, and they won't be shaken from that until they see the electorate desert them over it. And that's for your electorate. Yeah, which is the it. sad part about it. We're going to mm. need the electorate to desert them. Yeah. Surely the logic or the the facts or the evidence should finally do it. You get the feeling mm. it ain't going to happen, though. No, no, the, the electorate is leading. and, and uh, But I think farmers are coming around, industry's coming around. Uh, yeah, the politicians, Canberra will be the last place to, to still be denying climate change in Australia, I reckon. Sadly, for all concerned. Scary thought, isn't it? Mm. Yeah. What, what do you think about, like, if we're talking about empathy, do you think, uh, considering this a lot of late, but do you think it's a learned... Um, Trait, or do you think it's something that some people are just almost uh, have an absence of? Oh, sociopaths certainly do. Mm-hmm. Um, but well, some people, you know, naturally have more than others. Like some people have more, you know, um, hair or, or <laughs> you know, body mass or something. Uh, but <laughs> I wasn't staring at you. When <laughs> <I was. laughs> but but it is. I'm sure it is to a degree a learned thing because. It, I've learnt it while writing. You know, I've written books in which there are indigenous people, or in which there are, you know, um, women suffering dreadful social pressures, or anything. And you have to try and climb into their skin and see through their eyes. And and as a an an imaginative act that does teach you how to see, you know, through other people's eyes and through, through um, and and from their point of view. So it, it is. Perhaps it should be a subject at school empathy. Where, why you go mm. through some of these exercises. And yeah. and but, but like most things, it needs to be rewarded. If empathy is mm. rewarded, then people say, yeah, that's like a good idea. Like yeah. if everyone's in it together, like the collaboration theory and all that sort of stuff. And, mm. it, and even if you go into the big picture of uh, politics, like fascism is, there's no empathy mm. in fascism. Don't matter, do mm. we tell da, 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 da. There should be a lot of empathy in socialism. It's, mm. It almost is what it is. It didn't it, seem to work out that way. No, <laughs> well, it, unfortunately it doesn't because the... The interests of the individuals, the mm. power, the power of the individual, mm. all of a sudden mm. that takes over. So why socialism or communism, if you like, probably didn't work is because all of a sudden the men with power really forgot what the hell they were yeah, doing there. Yeah. Karl Marx probably got a lot of things right. Yeah, that's right. But, it, but in principle, it didn't, doesn't quite work that way. Exactly. In a theoretical world, Karl Marx is probably the political genius at the peak of the pyramid, but it's just doesn't seem to yeah, fit so, human so nature. So my point is that empathy needs to be rewarded. So mm. if you're in something like a, a, good, a good business who has a, a board and a CEO and a whatever it is, a bunch of people who actually believe in collaboration and working together, 
property empathy is going to work yeah. for them yeah. because people do work for each other. It does well, it works for me. Good. Yeah. I, I'm better. You're better. Everyone's better. Yeah, and empathy works for me if I can do it properly because, you know, people say, oh, that character had so much yeah, re- realness. Yeah, you know, that's right. Yeah. Um, but then I suppose in evolutionary terms, empathy is a... Is a is a feeling or an, uh, an emotion that probably works against you in a lot of ways. Oh, it does. Yeah, yeah. yeah they uh, can do. Yeah, em- empathy so. for the for the lo- for the close family. But you see, so your genes go on, but not for anyone outside that sort of thing. Yeah, oh, that's yeah, that's true. Yeah. Us v them. It's closed sort of empathy. Yeah. 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 yeah, But that's that that's a closed empathy <laughs> rather than mm. the way we would see empathy. Yeah, expansive empathy. Mm. Yeah, well, yeah, well we've, we've introduced well, the whole. <laughs> well, that's the thing I know. I was about to mention in history, which you know I'm becoming teacher in. There's a whole one of the major historical thinking skills is historical empathy, and mm. it, but it's a, it comes with a whole line of ethical questions because you go, of course, you got to, you know, see how people were living in the twenties and not go, well, that's stupid. Why the why the hell were they doing that? But at the same time, you don't want to be going, oh, well, Adolf, uh, Adolf Hitler was doing this. Uh, I can see how that would have made sense. But it's probably actually well, taking was, that into account. I was reading account. something the other day. It was quite interesting, uh, just on that point. They said, uh, how will, what's Adolf Hitler? Uh, it was just a throwaway line in a novel, actually. They said, well, in 1940, if you said who he was, he was probably the, the most imaginative best leader that we've had in the world for years. But all of a sudden, he lost his wife. Maybe a bit earlier than that. Yeah, well, a bit of, yeah. No, not during the war. The war was the war was the war. It wasn't just his fault, the war, I don't think. But anyway, he had a fair yeah. bit to do with it. <laughs> I mean, that's... Invi- invading Poland didn't help. Yeah, no, probably Cha- not. Chamberlain, him probably saying it's a, the act of appeasement probably wasn't the uh, the best decision, but Hitler wasn't exactly... Uh, no, it was going to be a war reunite. well before that. Though. I mean, Hitler, was I think, had that in his mind for a long time. Yeah. He was building up to expand, you know... What did they call it? The need for space out to the um, east. Um, Leben. Yeah, that's you get, you're nearly yeah, there. Yeah. Something along those lines. Yeah. Leben Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Anyway, yes, that yeah. sounds good. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. No, I don't mean it sounds good. I mean that sounds yeah. right. <laughs> 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 Whoops. No, I know. Well, that's. Sprechen Sie Deutsch. <laughs> well, actually, well, that, well, that's that also tells us that like today's politics is weird as well, because all of a sudden, in you, you hear that in Germany now, because they've had half a million immigrants from somewhere, all of a sudden the the, the right, the fascists mm. are, are all of a sudden rearing their heads again. Yeah, which is kind of like you just wouldn't have thought that would happen. Oh yeah, predictable. I would have thought if you're going to let a million um, people of different ethnicity and, and religion into the country, there's going to be a backlash. Mm. You know, there's, you've got to give you've got to give a chance for assimilation, or you know, a, mm. a, a sort of a drip rather than a. Mind you, we put in there's a million people in Melbourne in the last five years, haven't we? Oh, yeah, yeah, I think so. Well, they were all on the road last night when I was yeah. trying to get home. <laughs> yeah, well, I don't do much commuting, but I'm glad. Yeah, yeah I suppose that comes to actually talking about development, or population growth, and how much cities are going to change. Particularly Melbourne, you see how much it's growing so rapidly, and how the culture of the place is going to going to change or um, whether the social fabric's going to you know, uh, completely evolve overnight because you bring in that many people. Uh, I'm, f- I'm a, in the minority of suggest on this. I'm totally... I, I wouldn't have any population growth at all. I'd, I'd, um, I'd stop at where we are. Um, and that's, that's nothing to do with immigration or race or, or any of those things. Keep all that out of it. I'm just talking as, on numbers. Um, you know... We know Australia is like Northern Africa. It's got a coastal fringe and it, mm. and you know, and it's bare in the middle. Mm, you, you can't do much there. Um, it, it's not America that can hold 300 million people. It wasn't that long ago when we built a desalination plant here, you know, because Melbourne was running out of water. And now we've got a million more people in Melbourne since then. No one seems to think of the limits of growth much. Mm. And maybe I'm just an old bloke who 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 laments the fact that. I, there used to be more wild rivers, and you know you could take a walk in parts of the parts of Victoria now, where you know they, they were sort of more natural, and now they're covered in housing estates. And of course, it's a very easy out for politicians. Growth, capitalism depends on growth, and growth is the easiest way to get it is numbers, and so it's an easy out. But we all know there's a limit somewhere. Um, so I, I want that conversation about how we so you know. I mean, it's a hard conversation to have because it's you're really talking against people. You're talking against potential people, mm. potential souls. You know, if you're a Christian, or potential um, you, 
so so it, it makes you sound like a sort of a, a um, theoretical sort of um, butcher to a degree, but mm. um, it makes sense, I think, in the long run. Zero population growth, certainly for the world. And I mean, it's an emotional conversation at the minute with Nauru and mm. Manus Island and that sort of thing. With In terms of population growth, you've got them waiting in offshore detention and what decision do you make there? Mm. You know? It's like they're the people who had to be hanged to warn the rest of the people off sort of thing, you know, does it... <laughs> so they're slowly being hanged on Nauru. Uh, mm. Mind you, I think the thing that has to be acknowledged about that is that's happening w- with the acquiescence of the bulk of the Australian people, I think. You know, there, there are a lot of voices raised against that and say they should be let go, and I agree with that. Too. They've been there too long and it's horrible. But I think the bulk of the electorate agree with it, so that's why they're both <laughs> committed, both sides of poverty. Yeah, I suppose, I suppose it's, that, it's that thing. I think I've been thinking about it a lot in terms of the amount of power the consumer has, but it's probably that collective thing, isn't it? You know, like we, the, the whole plastic, you know, on a minor, really minor scale, but you think about the, the plastic bag ban. Mm. That's years of being exposed to the fact that, you know, the ills of plastic going into the oceans and that sort of thing. And now it's finally got to the stage where we're like, Coles and Woolworths have made decisions to go where we're banning all you know, single-use bags. But then you feel that mm. weight against it. But it, it shows, I think it shows that power that with popular opinion, it might take years yeah. and years, but that wave can change, yeah. make changes. It's not a great example. I wouldn't have thought a couple of <laughs> plastic bags. No, but. not quite. No, I wish I had a, something more poetic there. <laughs> no, but, 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 but we've, we've, so, uh, we shouldn't be doomsayers about the whole deal. You know, things, things have got better. Most people in Australia are living good lives. There's not, there's not poverty like there used to be. There's not... So, I mean... I've been reading a book by Steven Pinker called Enlightenment Now, and one of the points he makes is that um, bad news happens fast, so a building collapses or a, or a tsunami or mm. something, it happens fast and so it's news, but good news happens slowly, so a, uh, a drop in infant mortality happens slowly, so no one in the newspapers ever reports it. If newspapers came out instead of once a day, and, and the news cycle is now endless, but um, if they came out every 50 years, it would be all virtually good news. No wars, no world wars. Um, standard of living's lifted is twice what it was. 10% of the world's population now living in poverty instead of 50%. It, it would be massively, overwhelmingly good news. But because it happens, the news cycle is daily, as it were, um, it's bad news. <laughs> so, so speaking of news and bad news, I reckon we all looked at the... This is, this is going to be a simple question, but... We look at the USA and we see Donald Trump is going to be president. Say, oh, you've got to be kidding. Mm. No, that couldn't happen. Couldn't happen. Couldn't happen. Couldn't happen. And all of a sudden he is. Like, how does that happen? I've got no explanation for that whatsoever, <laughs> apart from a, you know, the, the usual one about disenchantment of the voters and just saying, yeah. we're going to kick all you politicians down the road. We're getting in a maverick. But, uh, I, look, I, the only thing we can cling to is he didn't get the majority of the vote. And the other thing is I think the... Um, non-compulsory voting's got a lot to answer for. You know, a lot of the disenfranchised don't come out to vote in America because they don't, they're not well enough educated to know how it's going to benefit them. So in Australia, you've got to speak to the poor end of town because they vote. Mm. Um, and in America, they don't. So uh, that's a big factor in it too, I think. But shit, who could have predicted this? <laughs> <you know? laughs> yeah, well, I suppose we had Ronald Reagan. I guess it was just as crazy. But um, yeah, well, he was—he was certainly as dumb, but he wasn't as crazy, was he? <laughs> no, I don't think so. This guy, every time he did something new, he, he called a—you know—he called a, a war veteran's parents, but he refuge you know. Was, uh, he abused them anyway, I can't remember what he said, and then, and then the pussy-grabbing yeah, thing, and then yeah. each time you said, well, that's it, he's gone, he's done now. <laughs> and each time it didn't make it, it a bit of difference. That probably reflects the divide between the right and the left, right? Well, the extreme, the, the, the voices yeah. of the extreme are, have been magnified, and I think 24-hour yeah. news cycle has a lot to answer yeah. for there. Extremely polarised, yeah. the Democrats and the Republicans. Uh, yeah. And I think we're way more, dem- more polarised than we used to be here too. Mm. Um, well, yeah, I get I get a good mate who thinks he makes good decisions, but like Daryl, oh. uh, <laughs> <laughs> he's Hello, a fantastic mate and bright guy. But he, he probably just sees the business side of it. I think he said, "Oh, mm. yeah, well, he's making good decisions for business." And I think, you know, oh, I think oh, Trump yeah. makes good decisions. Yeah, so I thought Trump. you meant Daryl. Thought Daryl made good decisions. Right? <laughs> no, yeah, yeah well, no, Daryl does. But <laughs> well, I know a couple of people who think Trump's good. Mm. Yeah, I, I went to a fairly. 
you're a good schooler, I suppose, and so you know you've got a, a few of your old mates are going to be at the top end of town and, and believing in um, big business and, and will provide all and, and that you know the trickle down effect. But um, yeah, that, why that should include a, a crooked con man like this, I don't know. I had the same conversation with a mate from the footy club. Uh, who who said about Clive Palmer? He goes, mm. well, he's the only one who cares about the uh, the ordinary cobber. And I went, Good God. Do you reckon a multi-millionaire who turned height cool him into a dinosaur park gives a shit about what? And, then, what, and the, what about the people at the nickel mine still trying to get their, their, their back pay? <laughs> and oh, I, I can't believe that one. I can't. I don't understand what what. Um, election is he advertising for? He's up on billboards every year, he's on the TV. There's no midterms in Australia, are right? no. So no. what's going on? There's some... Just in case someone calls one, I think. Yeah. <laughs> he's a long way out from an election. Oh, oh, mm. I find it amazing. Uh, we used to go to Hyde and It was a lovely place. <laughs> there were no dinosaurs in those uh, days. wonder where they are now. Yeah. Be... <laughs> There's dinosaurs now. Yeah. No, I, I did he's... read an article about um, US politics and it was all about the whole the options. They go, there's no good options, so I'm not going to vote, so I'm going to mm. abstain. And I think there's yeah. a similar similar sort of thing here where it's like there's no good options, so what's the point of voting? Mm. Well, well, here I suppose the other, we, we get a protest vote as well because people who are, who are disenchanted with both major yeah. parties and so you get, you know, then you get mavericks like Clive Palmer and, mm, and people yeah. like that who mm. by and large tend to be, you know, dimwits pushing their own barrow. <laughs> Fraser um, Annie. Mm, yeah, yeah, people like that. Um, whereas over there they, they don't generally get a, a, a protest vote they just get a protest no vote yeah yeah, yeah. I, uh, we should move back to uh, mm. literature I yeah politics <laughs> yeah, yeah. 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 you politics. drive yourself you drive yourself crazy I was about to I was mm. going to ask about you spent a bit of time a little bit of time on Twitter mm. I think that's that is a place where Facebook Twitter and all that is the most volatile you read new, yeah. any news um, article it can be as positive or as whatever it is the comments underneath are just, it is confronting. It's yeah. disgusting. And you, you don't want to engage the argument because you know, like, back and forth, that no one's getting anything good out of it. Yeah. And you read some of the rhetoric. But what I like about Twitter is um, I do get onto good articles that might be in the New Yorker yeah. or somewhere, which I, I haven't got time to go and trawl all these places, but someone will post something on Twitter mm. about a good a good piece in the in the um, Atlantic or New And So, you, 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 you know, you've... If your feelers are out there, you, mm. it, it gives you a good sort of wide take on what's going on there. But, yeah, a lot of it's just back and forwards, you know, people shouting from one trench to another, chucking yeah. grenades from one trench to another. <laughs> and there will be a time when I get off it. I suspect when my next novel comes out, I'll have to get off. It's <laughs> kind of... I've, I've, I, don't, I don't engage in it, but mm. I see that there's just no reflection in it is the problem. Mm, you don't have true. to even reflect on what you say, yeah. it, what impact there was. It's just... Bah, yeah. I, I'm, I'm not that happy with I it. have a... a, a Rule, you know, no, no tweeting after eight o'clock at night. Because, you, know, <laughs> you know what can happen. No, you, no after white bread after eight. Four pot, four pot limit. Because yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I mean, people's careers and lives can be derailed now mm. for with one bad treat, tweet or you know, one bad comment. Or you, you've got to be very careful. So, mm. yeah. In terms of yeah. coming back to, what do you think about the health of, of Australian literature and? The whole industry there, the economics of it, as well as the. It's going to sound like a. Um, I, to be honest, I don't. The economics I don't know much about. I, I'm, pretty much disengaged from Australian literature, and I just sit at home and write my books. Yeah, right. And then I send them, you know, send them to the publisher, and they say generally we love the book and let's go. And then I get back into it for a while. I might go to a few writers' festivals and things, and but, I don't. If if there's a if there's a writers' community, I don't know about it, and. Um, I. Is that just your, pre- your preference, you know, to that solitude or, you know... Yeah. Oh, it's not solitude as such because I talk to a lot of other people who yeah. aren't writers. Yeah, but, yeah. But I don't know where you would... Each, each writer's so different anyway. It would be like a community of, you know, a, a circus, you know, one's the strong man and one's the fat lady. And, um, but writers' festivals, and if, the, if writers do ever... ever Gather together. I, I find they're quite um, they're sort of love-ins and mm. and uh, wanky. you know it used to be you'd go along and you'd a couple of barbs at John Howard and you'd have them all <laughs> clapping and on their feet and it's, it's <laughs> sort it sort of makes me a bit nauseous. It's also easy, you know. I think I played through it a bit too. But <laughs> yeah, I I think you've just finished a book from just our discussion earlier mm. on. Are you, 
Can you give us an insight into what that was and what inspired you with it? Or yeah, are you, or are you, I, I can. You're going to keep it to yourself. No, no, I, well, I think it's... I, well, anyway, it's, it's you know, with, with this new discussion about cultural appropriation and not being allowed to talk in other people's voices and, you know, uh, it's about a, a couple of kids. One's Muslim and they have a, a, a gay event takes place and the repercussions of that and, and because one's immersed in a community that's um, very immersed in, in faith, that is in religion, the repercussions for him are much worse than they are for the, for the, the Christian or atheist kid or whatever he is, but not the Muslim kid. So I'm, I'm writing Muslim characters and, um, and so that's been... The genesis of it was finding online stories from um, gay Muslims in Australia who have come out and then had to um, leave their family and community and have been, you know... There, there's some pretty horrible stories out there have been sort of sent to Coventry for that and, and apostates as well, you know, fessing up and saying, well, I don't believe anymore. And, you know, that's a very big step um, in that faith and they are not always treated very well, shall we say. And anyway, so the... Publishers love it, but we are going through a bit of argy-bargy about the sensitivities. Um, you know, by and large, no one cares. By and large, I think um, the world of literature is quite brave. Uh, no one, they're, they're quite. Most people in literature are quite willing to um, offend others, but there is one uh, group of um, people that you've got to be careful of offending on, on account of the obvious reason. Um, so we're sort of tiptoeing around that, as it were. Um, isn't funny? I'm not even mentioning <laughs> Islam. You know, everyone's scared of Islam, to be honest. Um, so they they uh, sort of um, censor. Everyone censors themselves up front about what they say about Islam, so they don't have to go into hiding later when, if someone takes offence. Uh, you know, everyone's worried about the Charlie Hedbo, the, the, the Salman Rushdie, the, the, um, and, and all that sort of thing. And not, not that I have any... And, and, and it's a serious argument. No one wants a bookseller stabbed or... or, or it's a serious argument, and it's got to be taken seriously. I understand the publisher's point of view. It's, it's interesting. You know, I know a lot of Muslims who I would think the, the furthest thing from their mind would be mm. stabbing anyone. Oh, of course. Be, like, you know, like, I mean that quite mm. seriously. Yeah. But then, you, and then, but then you say, well, it's the extreme the, yeah. Muslim, say, who's likely to do something. The energised like few yeah. at, at the, on yeah. the fringe, but yeah, but they exist. So yeah. it, it just doesn't make sense because I mean, you've you've done your mm. mucked around with the Quran mm. and all that sort mm. of stuff. It seems that all the things they teach are the right things, and they said, mm. but they, have you read the Quran? No, but mm. I, but you wrote about it, and I mm. read it. <laughs> Uh, you know, look, all the holy books are a mass of contradictions, um, self-contradictory, you know, and a lot of the things in the Quran are, yeah, beautiful and loving and, and sharing and, and you know, forgiveness and all of that, but there's the other side as well. Let's not beat around the bush. There's uh, yeah. endless exhortations to either join or... or Infidels and all mm. that sort of stuff, yeah. Do you mm. think the Quran's more volatile than the Bible? It's, it's certainly a lot harder to read, I'll tell you that. Um the, look, all the holy books, I would say, are, are, are you know, a nest of bad ideas and good mm. ideas. Mm. Um, uh, anyone who's read the Quran and the Bible would say the Qurans are more well. No, they wouldn't. Muslims wouldn't. But yeah, it's a it's a more more left up to interpretation. There could be. Well, the, the, here's concerned. the problem with all the holy books, but in particular the Quran, because you know the, you're, you're more um, liberal. Muslims, which most Muslims in Australia would say, no, that that's the that's the wrong interpretation. But that might be so. But there are ten countries that will, you know, that have the death penalty for being gay, for instance. Mm. So why is it being wrongly interpreted all the time? Um, it leaves itself open to it. Yeah, well, it, it, you can interpret it any way you want. That's the thing. And that. Yeah, I, I find that intriguing. That mm. whole, I mean, that the world's getting to a place where there, with the acceptance of people is much much better than it ever was we yeah. have you know rainbow this and free marriage and all this mm. sort of stuff in australia now um 
and it wasn't easy. It wasn't an easy path. But then, and then you get some of the really serious religions, if you like, in the world, like, like even mm. you know Christianity, Christianity is the same. It says that you can't do any of this stuff. Mm. And I, I kind of understand why once that might have been the simple, the black and white of it. But that's not the way people are anymore. No, is but their problem is their foundation documents call for this. Yes, they do. Yeah, yeah. So, so they've got to get around that somehow, and it's very difficult. Which is why um, I've always shunned mm. uh, that serious religious mm. stuff, and I say mm. that let, let's let's make some decisions mm. on what's good for people rather than having to have to um, have to go by believe, the book. Well, well, it's, it's like yeah. corporations, right? Religions don't have feelings. You know, people yeah. who, who are religious have feelings, of course, but actual religions shouldn't be. You know, just yeah, we're getting into serious trouble now. We'll be <laughs> we'll be bombed, well, we'll be bombed by everyone very soon. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah uh, and, uh, I suppose. Last uh, and the, and, and yeah. this in itself is that we're all sitting here and, and you <laughs> know, biting our tongues because <laughs> we don't want to say, well, you know, I, I think the world would be a better place without religion. Quite frankly, oh, well, that's what yeah. I agree with. Yeah, yeah. I agree. With that. um, that's that's not to mention any of the individual no, religions, no. religion no. per se. Yeah. But it's yeah. the disturbing nature in mm. this week with it conversation about um, uh, education with with people um, teachers being excluded if they're you know same sex if they're mm. um, same sex attracted same with students and you go well, Catholicism mm. and you know the stuff they've hidden is disgusting but it's almost like a distraction isn't it they, it almost seems like it's a distraction from the fact that George Pell's been you know in Australia at court and there's all these, you know, people being hidden and moved away in, within within the church. It's it, the, the cap, oh, yeah, be a bit it's, careful, it's, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, yeah, it beggars belief that you know that one they're anti-gay by, by doctrine, and yet so many were unless, <laughs> practicing. Unless you're a priest, <laughs> unless you're a priest, apparently. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, don't, I didn't say that. <laughs> no, well, <laughs> you're a bit, yeah, I'll cut that and leave what I said. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah. Well, yeah. Yes, and, yes. and and of course, all the religions, um, though any any priest at any you know any sinister priest who rocked up here from any religion will, will deny this. But they all disenfranchise women. Mm. You know, where are the female priests in, in yeah. any? You know, the, the yeah. women were always second class citizens, and 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 they've got a, so they've got real problems with their foundation documents to come to terms with all this. And and you know, Islam is struggling to come with the. To come to terms with modernity, um, it, it, our new norms contradict some of the norms that are in the book. So mm. it is a, it's a. I was going to say a head fuck, but um, <laughs> <laughs> you know, yeah. no, it is a confusing it is, and absolutely. it's hard to reconcile. Absolutely, yeah. Mm. Certainly, even even when you get a progressive pope uh, who's still coming out and talking about abortion like it's it's as bad as you know a double double homicide. Yeah. Um, not only that, he came out the other day and he didn't he blame Satan for all the um, sodomy committed on children and rape committed on children by his priests. So, yeah, no, he's not owning up to any of it. Um, well, and it is a head fuck, isn't it? Like, it, is, it, it, is, you know, it, it beggars belief after a while. Yeah. And the Prime Minister yeah. the other day asked us all to pray for rain. That's the leader of the country. Mm. Yeah, he doesn't believe in climate change. He's asking us to pray for rain. It's, you know... You <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Yes, yeah, so oh, it's super. Yeah. Prime Minister, it's good. I know, I know. That, that there was today to go on about it, but Neil Mitchell was saying, leave him alone for his beliefs. And you know, but he's running the country. Who said that? <laughs> Neil Mitchell. I'll give you some about advice. <laughs> Don't listen to that. Oh, well, I didn't listen to him. I saw it on Twitter, <laughs> going back full yeah. circle here. No, people, I'm, I'm happy for people to believe what they want to believe, but if he's going to introduce it into politics mm. and into policy, well, it, it's our business then. Exactly. It's our exactly. you know, business yeah. to... That, that's the problem. Is it, everyone's got the right to do what they want to do, mm. but then when you're in power like that, all of a sudden we say, "Well, I'm in power, and the decisions I make as the prime minister and as a Christian are going to be Christian." Thing. You mm. go, well, hang on a minute. We got, well, there's mm. got to be some separation of yeah. responsibility and, and, there somewhere. And funnily enough, the only place you do really get freedom of religion is in a secular country. You, know, you won't be building many churches in yeah. Saudi. No, for <laughs> instance. I don't think so. mm. Yes. Um, Spoken for a fairly fairly long time, mm. so it'd be lovely to keep chatting. But feels like five time. minutes. I know, yeah, but I, we we finished the show with a few it, questions. It will only be five yeah. minutes after you cut all the stuff. Out. <laughs> 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 no, we can't. We we trounce. The question ask, you've really got to ask him is how the cat's going to go next year. Well, He's a very serious is, yeah. cat's man. Oh, I'm a bit. Well, we gave you blokes caddy. 
Yeah. That annoyed me a bit. And he plays in a premiership. And yeah. then Vardy plays in a premiership the next <laughs> exactly. year. Yeah. Varko played in the grand final. Varko was nearly, yeah. Well, we were gone either way there. Varko, well, yeah. well, I would have liked Varko to win another yeah, one. Yeah, I love, I love um, him. He's not a favourite player. He's a good boy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, Sorry, that's probably off the yeah. subject. No, 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 no. We need a Ruckman, don't we? We really do. Mm, and... Uh, what do you think? Because you know the, the whole hullabaloo about trade period. It's like a two-week bullshit period where a lot of chat and conversation about nothing happens. Oh, a fair bit. The fair bit's happened this time, I think. Mm. So behind it, behind oh, house, there's plenty of. Oh yeah, I think the um, I think there's been a lot of activity. Mm. Well, the cat's got who? Gary Rowan. He's yeah, 27 yeah. with a history of injuries and. Very great idea, isn't it? Yeah, he feels like another uh, yeah, Jordan Murdoch. Oh, well, they've yeah. solved Tommy Howley's. Uh, Salary cap problem. But some of those things are an opportunity, though. It's an opportunity mm. for Rowan to come back. They probably haven't given. They've given up not much for him. Yeah. Um, hopefully, if he plays, he'll be very good. If mm. he doesn't, it's not the end of the. It's, if he doesn't do all that much, it's yeah. not the end of the world. And I think that's with, that's possibly yeah. their, their logic. That's, that's the same with Gary Ablett too. People are saying, "Oh, you know, he's too old." We didn't give up much for Gary Ablett no. this mm. time round. So you know, uh, put him in the forward pocket and give him a go next year. I would. Yeah, I think so. He can't. I mean, not to criticise it now, but the problem is he can't tackle anymore. He goes no. in with one arm. It's sort of definitely mm. a, a. Maybe he doesn't want to. Maybe mm. that's not in his contract. Ooh, <laughs> now you're starting. <laughs> no, but that's something you do. Yeah. We do underestimate that. Mm. You know, when they do get some injuries and some issues with that, and he's such mm. a good player that mm. he probably figures it all out. If I start doing that, I won't play. If I yeah. do this, I'll be okay. I'll miss the second half. Yeah, I'm better right. to be in the second yeah. half and get ten ticks, yeah. kicks in the second half than be off. Yeah. Yeah. I think the problem yeah. I have with the Ablett uh, picking up Ablett, I feel like uh, Mitch Duncan stalled a little bit this year, and I feel like he was really moving forward, and then having Ablett in the midfield taking up his minutes. Sort of hurt hurt his development. I yeah, it's a real, it's a real challenge. I mean, as you know, I spend a lot of time with Geelong and really admire what they do. Mm. When they like all of a sudden they've got the midfield of Selwood, Dangerfield, Holy Ablett, it's, mm. it's tempting, and, and, yeah. and it looks it looks unbeatable. Mm. But there's more to a game than just there is. Players and I don't understand it. I I know you do because you're a coach first and foremost. But uh, well, you were. You know, but I understand footy when it's working. When I'm watching the cats and it's working, I understand why I reckon. But when it's not, yes. I've got no idea why not. <laughs> yes. yeah, that's, that's that's where the irritation. I don't get that. And um, the systems and stuff they talk about, I, I can't see them. I reckon that's all bullshit. It's <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, a great game. It's a spectacular game. So you get on with your yeah. question. Sorry. I'll yeah, yeah. Sorry, I wanted to talk about Luke Dalhouse. I think. I think. Yeah. I personally think he's a good pickup, but. That's probably for another yeah, time. Yeah. I don't know. I know. Well, I know there's actually, some issues. You have to him. find his old form. Mm. Yeah, yeah, that's Isn't true. It? Yeah, but a couple you, of years ago. Just to like quickly make a point you made the other day about um you know trading in trading in for a premiership and all that and you say that um I think you made a point about the clean slate of picking up you know young kids you can't quite you already know what you're going to get with people traded in but for the potential of draftees you, you're sort of looking at it can be you know good and bad. At the same time, you get to sort of mould. Yeah, kid. you do. Yeah, mm. but you've got to have some patience. Yeah, with that. it doesn't happen immediately. But uh, that's true. Oh, there's different ways of doing it. On, on a on a good note, my niece Nina Morrison's going to be drafted by the Cats. Pick one or two. Oh, fantastic! Oh, yeah. Isn't that amazing? The mm. whole women's footy stuff. That's just exploded. Yeah, oh, yeah. I think they might be a little too ebullient about some of you know women haven't been just emancipated all of a sudden you know they were playing sport and uh, well I, I must admit I, I have a bit obviously a bit to do with our girls in the VFLW and they just love it I mean yeah. their attitude toward it is outstanding yeah. I went to see the final of the VFLW and uh, yeah because Nina my niece was mm. playing and it was a good game of footy and, yeah. and they put in and it oh, was they fun to watch yeah. Yeah. they almost mm. tackle too well don't they yeah, yeah. Well, I'm a bit. You don't. You wouldn't. You know. Agree with Mick Malthouse on too much, but you wince a bit sometimes. That's <laughs> <laughs> yeah. true. Yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely. I think yeah, in terms of the culture, it's changed at a local level as well. As the mm. participation is just blown up. It's yeah. huge. Yeah, even at yeah. QB. Oh, Q. Yeah, in my club. It's it's completely changed the culture. It's been all for the better. But yeah, it's it's a really interesting development. I don't know how we're going to afford it all. <laughs> yes. I don't mean that. Well, the other questions are growth, right? We're yeah. It's, yeah, yeah, it's it'll come with some problems. Yeah. And, and country footy grounds, you yeah, know, exactly. the, the day's only exactly. so long. How many exactly. games can you get on? Yeah, yeah that's true. Mm. I think, that, yeah, 
Sorry. So no, they're just going to say the Lawn Dolphins won the premiership this year. They beat Birragara in the grand final. Birragara had thrashed them three times during the year. <laughs> and the Dolphins got up on the day. So. <laughs> Yes, who are Birragara? Are they sponsored by the restaurant? <laughs> yeah, probably. Well, yeah. just missed out on eating there one time, thankfully. <laughs> uh, yeah, That's Bray, in case anyone's not yeah, sure. Yeah, I have no idea. I haven't <laughs> clue. Four, four of us, we pulled up and they looked at the menu, it was going to be 300 bucks a head. Yeah. 1200 bucks for lunch, and by the time I paid... In Birragara. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, they couldn't fit us in. Oh, that was brave. So they went down to the pub and had a counter meal. It was great. <laughs> yeah, just to finish the show, you ask the same questions to every guest. Um, and they're human questions, universal mm. questions. Uh, what do you fear? Mm. Nothing much at the moment. Um, I reckon the tram tracks when he rides his bike. Yeah. <laughs> if it's raining. Yeah, sure. uh, oh, you know, a, a sort of theoretical fear of death, like we all have, I suppose, mm. and things coming to an end. Um, other than that, I don't have daily fears, I don't think. Yeah. Sound very brave, don't yeah, I? Yeah, just, just too stupid to think of them. <laughs> <laughs> well, I read an article actually where it said he's been called a brave new voice in Australian literature. Mm in an age when brave is also often a pseudonym for politically incorrect. <laughs> <laughs> brave new voice would have been about 1990. What do you hope for? Mm. The Booker Prize. No, uh, another Cats Premiership. Just, just, in fact, I suppose I hope for what I've got now, really. I, ha- I have a fairly happy life, or a good marriage. Um, kids are happy. No one's ill. Uh, well, There's not much more. Yeah. You know, good books read a good book I just read Ken Kesey's Sometimes a Great Notion wow that's a good book um, hard to read though oh, right, yeah. right sometimes he swaps um, narrator three times in one paragraph and you're not quite sure who's talking right. but once you get through that oh geez, a good writer what's it called again Sometimes a Great Notion it was his <laughs> follow up to Cuckoo's Nest oh that was a weird book it was a great, great book great film great film, too. Great film. Yeah. I was yeah. thinking that what a great adaptation yeah. that was Jack Nicholson, I mean, he's... Yeah, that was Jack at his very best. Who played Nurse um, Ratchet? Yeah. Um, she, she never really... That's, they say it's one of the stories she never really got another part. It's strange, isn't it? Because she was there really was no good. liked her. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. She was terrifying. <laughs> yeah, she was. Oh, I could think of her name as you gave me a minute or two, but yeah, yeah no. Billy, Billy Bibbit was Billy Bibbit? Billy Bibbit. Yeah, he got a st- few more roles. And, the, and the, yeah. the doc in Back to the Future was in, in there as well. Right. Oh, that's right. Tabor yeah. or someone he yeah. was. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, what makes you happy? Oh, alcohol, a good book. Um, <laughs> you know, friends, simple but stuff. Yeah. 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 Uh, what makes you sad? I'm blessed with a fairly happy nature, I think. Uh, nothing. I'm not sad too often. I ha- haven't got anxiety. Mm. Um, I tend not to worry about things too much. A uh, little bit worried about the reception of this book. I mean, I know what the, the I know what the podcast. literary world are going to say, but it's <laughs> <laughs> generally generally in Australia, I think it'll go all right. No, no the people who 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 read the book love the book. Very sad book. Not my normal. Not much humour in it. Um, I discussed that with the publisher. She said, you, "If you're going to write about this, you can't really do it in a humorous fashion." I don't mm. think so. Um, but no, nothing really makes me sad. Um, well, no one in my family or no... Oh, a friend died recently, yeah. But, you know, we knew that was coming. Yeah. Uh, who do you think is the most positive influencer in the world today? Wow. Hmm. Is it too late to retract my, com- my, compliment- my <laughs> comments about the co- Pope and say him? Uh, <laughs> we had Greg, Greg Ball actually said the Pope. I, I don't... Did he? Seriously? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Goodness me. <laughs> well, that's what happens when you're indoctrinated as a, as a child. Um, I, I and I think this might be a good thing. I don't think there are any massively influential people in the world today as there used to be. So there are, you know, right. multifarious sort of influences, which is probably a good thing. It's funny. I'm, I think we're a bit similar. I, yeah. I don't like to find the one influencer. Yeah, I, yeah, I reckon right. that because yeah. that, 
because we're suspicious. <laughs> we're suspicious. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What's going to happen? Put one he knows all the power that point, he's got. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, right, you read right, history, yes. and, you, and if you find that someone who's a big influencer, it all usually turns out badly, doesn't it? <laughs> yes. Yeah. And like in all the big companies that have got the loud, brash leader who shows the mm. way, yep. normally finishes poorly. Yep. Things. Start believing their own bullshit. Mm. Yes. Mm. Yes. Oh, that probably does lead to the other question about the most negative. Uh, which I suppose, I don't know if you have an answer to that, most negative in the world right now, influencer-wise? Oh, well, yeah, I mean, it, I suppose it's easy to say Donald Trump, but, yeah. but you, it'd yeah. be hard to go past him. But um, I don't know, there are, there are leaders of all sorts of different countries who are absolute um, despots who, mm. who we, could, we could name, um, who, who probably deserve it more than Trump. But to, as the leader of the free world, in inverted commas, um, <laughs> I say Donald Trump. Mm. Mm. It's a pretty common answer. Mm. Um, the last book, film, or album that kept you thinking for weeks? Uh, well, I'm into Jason Isbell now, uh, musically speaking. He's yeah. from Alabama. We're from Muscle Shoals, Alabama, for the most part. That's what he says in his shows. And he is, well, to say he's a, he's a young Neil Young would, you know, it's a very, very loose comparison. But he, he's a real wordsmith, writes really good songs. It's sort of alt-country, I suppose, mm. or, or Americana, whatever mm. we want to call it. I, I'm, I'm wary of saying country music because people have this idea that it's, you know, Chad Morgan yeah, or something. Um, but, trucks, but have a listen to him. He's put out some really good albums, poignant. Um, yeah. uh, he, he's got one song called Children of Children about how his parents were 17 when he was born and uh, their parents were 17 when he was born and a beautiful line in it that says I was riding on my mama's hip and she was shorter than the corn um, yeah he's a real poet and, and can play the guitar go on YouTube and have a look at him yeah Austral- mm. Australian musician wise who do you listen to? not very good with the locals am I? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Perry Keys is a, is a Sydney um, singer songwriter yeah okay and I've got a couple of his albums. One one's called Johnny Ray's Downtown, and it's it's mostly about uh, well, it's a lot of it's about drug taking in Sydney, and, and which is not really a topic I'd be normally interested in. But <laughs> the guy writes such what, a good song. What because it's in Sydney? Or? <laughs> <laughs> I have one drug, and that's all I can handle. <laughs> but but um, it's it's his songs are really poignant, lovely. I'm surprised he's not more well known. I reckon he's better than Paul Kelly. That's you know. Yeah, yeah. I know heresy. Yeah. Over <laughs> mm. Jump over his desk. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I know he's no, no, no. a loved figure. Um, and Adelaide boy, so. Paul Kelly. Mm. Great songwriter, that's for sure. Um, and a recommendation from your hometown or home suburb. A recommendation of, of what? Of Just a restaurant or a bar or a. Not Whatever sh- you're not, not Shepherd. Shepherd. <laughs> I'll show you somewhere in Shepparton you can go. Yeah. A couple of old blood houses there. Uh, no, well, in I love the um, the bookshop in in Bridport Street in Albert Park. Ah, uh, yes. Yeah. Um, the, oh, avenue. No, be, the Avenue. Uh, the Avenue. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yes, That's a really avenue. good book sh- bookshop. There's one store. in uh, Swan, Swan Street as well. Swan Street. Yeah. I go there quite regularly. And what about pubs? I. Drink at the Montague in South Melbourne. Have yes. a few beers there every Friday night. If you want a steak, you go to the Railway Club in mm. Port Melbourne. That's a good pub. Good old-fashioned pub. Mm. You might even um, go to Ribera's if you want some fish. Oh, Ribera's, yeah. Um, but Port Melbourne, you know, I sometimes cross the city when I'm forced to. Um, Fitzroy and Northcote and those yeah. more exciting places. And you come back to Port Melbourne at night in your Uber and it is dead. It's like, a, you know... A brownout or something. There's nothing happening there <laughs> compared to the rest of the city. Yeah. Great part of the yeah. city, those Fitzroy and Northcote yeah. and that area. I wish, oh, it's gorgeous, yeah. wish I was young again living over there. <laughs> yeah, it's not short of places to... Uh, well, the, what, what do you call it? A blood... Blood house. Blood house. Not short of blood houses mm. around there. Well, I used to or Japanese restaurants. Mm. Mm. <laughs> anyway, Anson, it's, it's been an absolute pleasure to have you Thank you. The, the, yeah. the Talking Tigers studio we're in now. But it's been fun. A lot of fun. Thank you. Yeah. Oh, it's been great. Mm. Thanks, mate. Appreciate it. Good on you. Thank you. Yeah, we'll speak soon. Mm.